0: Hi, I'm Eric, also known as Trekkie V47, from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape podcast. You're listening to another great four-eyed radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com.
1: It's morphin time!
0: Hello and welcome to Interstellar Comms with Eric. The show in which I, Eric, reach out into the vastness of the sci-fi universe to communicate with creators of all kinds to explore the rich universe of science fiction. Whether it be books, television, movies, comics, games, or anything else, if it's sci-fi, we'll talk about it here. So open hailing frequencies, because we're broadcasting on all channels and about to blast off. Hello and welcome to Interstellar Comms with Eric, show where we talk about sci-fi in all its various shapes, forms, sizes, and types. Today I am pleased to have another fantastic guest on the show with me. Today we are going to be speaking with Damien, who is a television voice actor and streamer currently on Twit. Fantastic, fantastic guy and uh, knows a lot of stuff about what we're going to be talking about, which today is going to be the blurred lines between fantasy and science fiction as genres. Damien, thank you for joining me, and tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Hi, Eric. Thank you so much for having me as a fantasy and sci-fi aficionado from basically my entire life. This is uh, the kind of podcast I, I think I'm going to subscribe to, I love to listen to, but uh, basically I've been a yeah fan of, of these kind of genres my whole life since I was a kid, but currently. I, I'm a content creator. I uh, I was a professional voice actor and television actor for many years uh, abroad, and I just moved back to uh, to North America. So, currently, just focusing on content creation. Working with uh, I'm a managing partner at MysteryMTG.com, where we we deal with a lot of TCG card games, Magic: The Gathering, Pokemon. We're a, a reseller. I'm also uh, putting out content for them on YouTube and and Twitch. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I love to talk about this stuff. So it's yeah, fantastic. It. Yeah,
0: I've dabbled a little bit in the uh, Magic: The Gathering. Gathering. I didn't get too too deep into it I played a little mm-hmm. bit of pokemon the, the card game back in the day mm-hmm. the the tcg that really got me though was the uh, star wars tcg um, yeah oh man <laughs> i was ooh i was deep into that one for a while there was oh yeah i wouldn't say i was ever really good at it but I really enjoyed playing it. Uh, me and a few friends, at least. Uh, there were a few card and comic game shops around that would let people come in, and they had tables set up for people to play the various TCGs that they were playing. And we'd uh, always be like by ourselves on the like one section playing the Star Wars game while everybody else was doing Magic or something else. About oh, yeah! Uh, but yeah, we'd have people I, come and join us, and it was it was fun? It was good times.
1: Yeah, I have so many fond memories of places like that, local game stores where I would go as a kid, and there were you know a wide range of of different ages. There were people my age, like elementary school, middle school. I was, you know i'm I'm an old man now. I was born in eighty one. So when magic <laughs> came out, I was about twelve years old, and I just got into it right when it first came out. And then going to the local game store, that was when my eyes got open to, oh my God, I, I thought I knew how to play this game. and no, there were people much better than me playing, and all sorts of stuff. D and D. I mean, I was big into comic books as a kid growing up, especially fantasy stuff like mm. Conan the Barbarian and nice. Robert E. Howard stuff is is fantastic. So I remember going there and yeah, engaging with all these. And yeah, Star Trek the card game was out. Star Wars. I mean, it was. Uh, there was a lot of. It was the heyday for TCGs back in the nineties. I think
0: my biggest problem was that uh, as someone who now knows that what I uh, have is ADHD, I was so focused. On collecting every card that a <laughs> mm-hmm. lot of times I could have had much better decks built, but yeah. I only had one of that card. So that card wasn't in my deck. That card was in my binder In with yeah, the set right. <laughs> because that's the set that is separate. The set doesn't get touched. The set stays the set oh yeah
1: and even before magic <laughs> my brother and i would collect those marvel uh superhero cards like mm-hmm. we had binders of and they were just oh, yeah. you couldn't play games with them they were just for collecting that's why you know magic and those kind of games appealed to me so much and later on when pokemon came out i looked and just thought yeah this is just a gateway drug for for magic <laughs> and these other games to get kids into it but yeah i fell into the fantasy sci-fi uh genre n- trap and uh, never escaped i'm still happily enmeshed so
0: yeah me yeah. as well and uh, I, <laughs> I i wouldn't have it any other way <laughs> so speaking of that, I mean that is the topic of the of the day. You know, mm-hmm. uh, fantasy versus sci-fi. Obviously, there are some differences, especially when you go into the far end of either one of them. However, there are things that kind of meet in the middle, and right. you get these blurred lines. You get some things that people argue about: is it is it sci-fi or is it fantasy, or is it science fantasy, or? Fantasy right. fiction. I, I, I don't know what you'd want to call
1: it. How to classify these things. Maybe we can get into that. But yeah, uh,
0: Yes. Uh, so for you, how do you define sci-fi versus fantasy? And just as a, if you had to do it in black and white.
1: Well, okay. So black and white, broad strokes. I mean, it's pretty easy to uh, delineate between science fiction and fantasy. Science fiction, obviously, based on scientific principles. So whatever the content is, if it's sci-fi, it's got science or technology that is central to the plot. All of the key science or technology is explained given currently known scientific laws or theories or constraints. So a good example would be something like Star Trek, which is, you know, even though they have teleportation and, you know, the replicator and all these things, theoretically those things are possible. So, I mean, that's science fiction, or I I like to classify, again, breaking it down further as hard sci-fi. Hard sci-fi is what I just described. It's it's science or technology that's central to the universe or or the plot that is explainable or, or can be explained using either current technology or theoretical scientific theories and within what we know of the known universe. So, Star Trek's a good example. It involves no magical or supernatural elements, even though they have alien races, etc. Their Alien races could be silicon-based or whatever it is. That's Mm -hmm. all within scientific uh, principles that we know of now. So that's sci-fi. Fantasy, of course. Fantasy predates sci-fi obviously by many many thousands of years we've had fantasy since the dawn of time people have been creating stories myths legends you know since since so fantasy is is encompassing everything that well is is supernatural or or magical stuff that can't be explained using theorems or scientific principles that we know to be true now physics chemistry biology so alchemy is a weird blend of you know it's it's not really science. It is fantasy, but you know has basis in real world chemistry and stuff. Which is where you get blurred lines. But for the most part, fantasy is the mechanics that are that are at play in a fantasy work are explained using uh, supernatural theories, like like things like magical. You know sources or or gods or so you know lord of the rings for example the way gandalf will spew fireballs or whatever they don't really explain these kind of things how he's able to do this fantasy also encompasses creatures that are not based on Real world flora and fauna, so elves, dwarves, goblins, etc., uh, would all be, you know, Dragons, fantasy creatures. one of my and, favorites. And sometimes they make their way into sci-fi. I mean, you've got again, this we'll get into this later, but subgenres like you know cyberpunk and stuff like that, or uh, or steampunk, where you have you know, uh, you know, Netrunner, one of the TCGs I used to play back in the day, uh, or Shadowrun. Shadowrun would have you know elves and and dwarves and orcs uh, w- alongside you know and they're hacking into computers and they're mm-hmm. you know like doing things uh, that are very technologically based, but the the races in the world are are fantasy. So, yeah, fantasy very much relies on using uh, supernatural elements to explain how things work, whether it's magic or you know divine powers or what have you. I, I can
0: definitely agree with that. I think for me, science fiction or sci-fi in general is pretty much any any piece of fiction, first of all. Obviously, it has to be fiction or it wouldn't qualify. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that uses uh, science or technology that either isn't available currently, that's either just theoretical or just something that's you know just not available, mm-hmm. or uses modern day technology in a way that's outside of our current capacity to use it. I use Things like uh, Jurassic Park, I think, is science fiction. A lot of people don't classify it as that, but I do because the mm-hmm. main plot point of that is cloning, which when right. that book was written was not was, – it was very, very, very much just a theory. Mm-hmm. It was not something that had been – Actually done at that point. It was like the, the idea was there. The technology yeah. was possibly forthcoming, but it wasn't something that was actually being done. So yeah, I would classify that as science fiction. But I agree with you there's more science fictiony science fiction and when you get into like that hard sci-fi like you're talking about like like with Star Trek where they do try right. to get into the explanation of even the stuff that is probably not actually possible like the teleporters mm-hmm. like that makes uh, that's a great example because you're talking about you know converting a living sentient being into just energy and transmitting yeah. that somewhere and reconstructing it and then you run into the uh the moral dilemma did you killed the yeah. original, uh, you know, there's always those well, question marks around the teleportation technology, which I find fun to talk right, about as but, well. <laughs>
1: but it is, it is theoretically possible. I mean, it, it's so far out there. It's, you know, it's hard to believe that it's, but it is within the constraints of physics and, you know, quantum mechanics and everything. Now I'm no rocket scientist, but, but I've been told, and, and there's experts who've written about this and said, yeah, like Gene Roddenberry, when he created Star Trek, mm-hmm. based a lot of these things on theoretical physics and things that were you know we couldn't do yet like the replicator it's a 3D printer now mm-hmm. that was way before we had 3D printers but that's all that is now it operates much much faster than a 3D printer right. does now can print any kind of food but they already have 3D printers that can print food we've already you know created yep. things like that so yep. it is it is cool but uh, but yeah sci-fi I think evolved from fantasy and that's the weird like you, you have to remember fantasy is the parent here and sci-fi is the the kid fantasy is the, uh, the older religion just, you know, superstitious relative that doesn't use the internet, doesn't have a smartphone, <laughs> and just says, hey, that's the way it works. It's magic, or it's, you know, it's whatever. God-given powers or whatever, some deity has, you know. And sci-fi is the younger niece or nephew that's much more, you know, a technophile who bases their ideas on what can be proven and disproven scientifically. But you know, when before we had a lot of this technology and scientific theory, fantasy was how we explained mm. the natural world. I mean, you go back to Greek mythology, you know, the Iliad, Odyssey, like, all these works were you used to kind of explain the way things were why do volcanoes erupt why does this happen you know etc and sci-fi once we started to develop technology that's when sci-fi kind of started to be born and 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 you know a lot of authors a lot of people said yeah why why not take this technology and run with it Again, like in a thousand years in the future where could this lead once we started flying once we start you know we go to outer space then yeah. it's like you know let's start pushing this uh, yeah into into the unknown see where it goes
0: yeah I, I completely agree the idea going back into the into history before they had any any technology I think it really comes down to I believe uh, if I'm not mistaken and I'll, I'll probably I'll get corrected and I'm sure if I'm wrong on this I believe it was Carl Sagan who said mm-hmm. that you know any sufficiently advanced technology would be indistinguishable from magic so yeah, in theory but... anything that we couldn't explain then it was magic but now mm-hmm. It's like oh, we've explained it, so now it's science. And, right. and you're right; it developed an entire new genre of of fiction writing when they were like, "Well, yeah. what if we what if we did run with that?" And I love the different directions that different shows and movies and stories take. That type of thing. You you mentioned Star Trek and Gene Roddenberry. He always looked at this utopian type of future where this technology made us better and led to a a cleaner world and led to a more peaceful world. And, you know, basically, Mm -hmm. especially with the development of replicators, like you you talked about, that would uh, very much eliminate... A lot of need in the world.
1: Yeah. That and kind it's, of technology. it's awesome. Yeah, I love I love I love that. That's cause that's gonna end up uh providing real world benefit. That's why a lot of that stuff is very philosophical. Like if you watch the old Star Trek The Next Generation shows, a mm. lot of them were very philosophical oh, by yeah. the way they were written and and so it, it is cool. It's 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 saying, you know, cloning, like we can do it should we like you know or whatever it is whatever technology it is you know and it's uh whereas fantasy i you know this is another big distinction between the two sci-fi is much more philosophical and it's kind of going okay we can do this now should we or where do we draw the line with this or where do you know where do we take this with technology this 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 thing that we've discovered whereas fantasy is much more allegory like it, it, it uses a lot more allegory to kind of explain or to to tell a story that's loosely kind of paralleling the the real world for example lord of the rings one of the seminal you know fantasy works of the la- of the 20th century of the last well so much of, of what's come after that has been based on that those yeah. works by J. R. R. Tolkien. but a lot of that allegory like if you read why you know he was writing during you know shortly after world war one and he was writing about you know the one ring being technology. The the ring symbolizes greed and technological advancement and the forces of, you know, Sauron and everything were kind of, they're wiping out the old world kind of traditional magical world. It's kind of getting bulldozed by what represents technology, which is the, the power of the ring and everything else and, and greed and uh, money for money's sake. You can you can read about all the you know the allegory in Lord of the Rings is really interesting, mm-hmm. but it's very different than like a philosophical approach. Like a lot of the sci-fi authors of the 20th century and stuff, you know, they were talking Asimov, and they're they're talking about things that are dystopian. You know, what what kind of world could we live in? What what will the world look like in a hundred years if we? keep going down this route of you know the technology just keeps marching on and getting better and different and you know gets coalesced in the hands of the few you know what happens to the world and a lot of sci-fi is exploring these kind of dystopian futuristic worlds and and what happens if technology runs rampant and it's a lot more philosophical. Yeah, and I think
0: there's also a couple of different subgenres of that even. You have the hmm. the traditional, you know, the the dystopian future where usually some sort of AI takes over, kills off most of humanity and usually the story is something about how the re- remains of humanity have to, you know, rise up and and come back from that or stop it from happening in the in in the past or something like that mm-hmm. but then you have other works and this is one of my favorites things like michael Crichton's novel oh, yeah. a lot of his novels were based on sound scientific principles that were currently right. available and just taking them basically to the next step and showing how they could go terribly wrong like with right. jurassic park you know it's like okay well we could theoretically possibly clone an extinct species, but right. should we, like you said? I mean, even says it, the The line from the movie, uh, you know, you're too busy worrying about whether or not you could. You didn't stop to think whether or not you should. That was taken directly from the book.
1: Yeah, it's really good. Congo was like that and Sphere, and I've read a lot of Crichton novels. Yeah, it's, he's a good example of that. His books which, are so uh,
0: much better than the movies that were made on them. Prey is another good one of his oh, yeah. that deals with technology. Just taking mm-hmm. it one step further. And, and another great example of this, I think, is Black Mirror. Oh, I yeah. I love yeah, Black, Black Mirror. Made, uh, because I that's mean, like, and,
1: yeah. That's why it's so important. That's why science fiction is very important. We need to, you know, AI is another big one that a lot of people are genuinely scared of. But Black Mirror is a great show that kind of shows, yeah, what happens if this gets out of hand. And, you know, science fiction is so good at nailing that. Science fiction is... Almost that's its purpose is to show us, look, you know, here's the technology we have today. This is where it could lead in 100, a 1000 years, whatever it is, 50 years even. You know, is that a good place? Do we want to end up there? We have to think about these things now as this technology is in its infancy. And science fiction is so good at doing that. That's one of its primary purposes. I think it's, that's why it's so important. Science fiction is a very important genre.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, but, uh, I definitely agree. That's why I created a show around the subject. So, uh, yes, absolutely. For me, defining fantasy, it can be very much the same in many cases. Sometimes the, the same stories can even be told just using magic or the supernatural or deities of some sort in place of the technology. And it can be done as a way to warn against possible bad outcomes from the way things are currently going or just as a way to talk about things that are going on. Or it can be just your entertainment, just a story for a story's sake, which is perfectly fine also. For me, when I think about hard definition of fantasy versus sci-fi, that's that's where I draw the line as well, basically. With, yeah. When you stop involving any type of explainable technology in real world terms, and start using magical terms instead. That's where the hard line would be. But then we Uh, get into the the middle ground, the stuff where, well, there's a little bit of both going on here.
1: Yeah, so I I agree. I think fantasy primarily is used for entertainment, at least historically. The legends, the myths, all the things that we've had throughout human history that are fantasy, not sci-fi, have mostly been used to entertain. But in a lot of instances, they're also used as allegories to teach a lesson, whether it's a moral Lesson or an ethical lesson, something that's trying to instruct people on how to either behave better or be better, it, treat others around them better, it, be more productive in the world, whatever it is. A lot of the old fantasy stories are kind of they're trying to impart some knowledge. But at the same time, primarily it's a vehicle for entertainment, I think, fantasy. Whereas sci-fi really gets more into the more, like we said, philosophical stuff and has a lot of value to to kind of show people where you know we could be going. Fantasy is more just for entertainment. And then every once in a while, like Lord of the Rings is a good example, where you know you'll you'll see a fantasy work that parallels things that are happening in real life, or that are you know the fantasy work is trying to make allusions to things that are happening in the real world. Right. But those those are fewer and far between. I think most most fantasy is purely entertainment. But let's get into the subgenres. So there are there's just a lot of blending here, and that's mm. what today's episode is kind of about, right? Absolutely. Well, for me, I, if if you don't mind, I, I'd like to just kick it off by saying, for me, there's three distinct categories of science fiction fantasy there's there's a lot of sub genres but fantasy is pretty self-explanatory pretty easy to uh to determine what's fantasy it's it's yeah based on things that are not scientifically proven like we said so hard science fiction soft science fiction and science fantasy that's how i categorize science fiction science fiction is a little bit harder to pin down and the, where, where you get a lot of the bleed is where fantasy you know bleeds into sci-fi so i prefer to see sci-fi as these three different categories, whereas fantasy is just fantasy. And there's all these different types of fantasy, but they all are based on things that are you know, not scientifically proven. Whereas sci-fi, like I said, hard sci-fi is like Star Trek, right? It's science or technology that's central to the plot, and everything is explained using currently known scientific laws and theories and constraints. It involves no magical or supernatural elements. That's hard sci-fi for example, Star Trek. Soft sci-fi, I think it's scientifically possible technology, though nothing is explained. Nothing's explicitly explained or it uses pseudoscience to explain. Or it's based on the soft sciences like uh, sociology, psychology, anthropology, like dystopian novels uh, would be a good example of soft sci-fi. There's still no purely impossible elements. So, you know, Superman (laughs) would not be soft sci-fi. That would be more like, you know, science fantasy or just fantasy where, yeah, he's an... An alien but what what exactly gives him the ability to fly and shoot laser beams from his eyes and do all these things on earth just the fact that he's an alien like there's a lot of fantasy in there it's too much whereas you know Batman is soft sci-fi You know, Batman uses all these uh, tools and gadgets and everything that are currently available, that are based on, you know, current technology or at least theoretically possible. There's no impossible elements. Battlestar Galactica or something like that would be another example where soft sci-fi, most of the technology and everything can kind of, you know, be theoretically explained. But then there's some stuff that, you know, the Cylons can do that's kind of just like, uh, you know, not, not <laughs> thoroughly explored or it's right. kind of pseudoscience. And then the third category, I think, is science fantasy. So this is where, you know, it's similar to hard or soft sci-fi, but it's mixed with magical or supernatural elements, or it uses an alternate or imaginary kind of science or technology that's Mm -hmm. simply impossible, given what we know today. So Star Wars, Aliens, the Aliens movies, um, you know, Shadowrun, things like that, even Superman. Or, you know, I like Brandon Sanderson. He's one of my favorite authors. And in a lot of his books, even though it's fantasy, he's got a very strict kind of framework for how things how all this magic works—it's not just like right. you know, Lord of the Rings, Gandalf, poof. Uh, we've you know, he can do do whatever, cast some spell, and it just happens. They you know, there's all these forces at play, and they have push and pull, almost like you know, physics uh, does, where you know, if you know, Mistborn trilogy was was like this, or the the Stormlight Archive, which I'm reading now, where you know, a lot of the magical powers are, have a very, very kind of outlined, very clear way in which everything interacts and all the magic and everything that's done in that world has to operate within this framework so it's almost like superimposing a set of scientific rules on a fantasy kind of element or a supernatural element. That's what I would call science fantasy yeah so that's how I see it but how about you? Yeah
0: I I definitely agree with those definitions I'm glad that you brought up comic books because that's a point that I wanted to bring up especially given things like the MCU. I consider Mm -hmm. the MCU to be science fiction. Probably soft cyber. But there's a lot of stuff going on there that is – especially if you look at things like Iron Man, -Man, Ant-Man, and all these characters that don't just have powers inherently – but are using technology in ways that are outside of our current capability right. to give themselves powers. But it's right. all based on some theoretical possibility. But then there's yeah. also definitely some fantasy uh, at play there as well, especially when you get into like the, the Infinity Stones and you get into uh, mm-hmm. Celestials and you get in. Yeah, you could explain right. them just as, oh, they're they're aliens, so it's science fiction. Or you could be like, well, no, they're gods, so... Yeah. It's fantasy. I think it's a, a good blend of both. Yeah. So I would, I would categorize uh, most comic books that have any type of powered beings as mm-hmm. their primary characters would be more on the fantasy side. But mm-hmm. still somewhat science fiction because a lot of times the powers are explained. You know, you look at the mutants True. in Marvel. Yes, they have powers that are beyond this world except, oh, they're not. They're actually just a mutated gene, which is, oh, okay, that's real. Science. Uh, Mutations happen. Now, will a mutation happen that allows me to have telepathy? Probably not. Turn things (laughs) into ice? Uh, Turn myself into a diamond? Yeah, probably not. Yeah,
1: that's... I I agree. I think most comic book character protagonists, uh, the powers, the the things that are happening in most comic books can be categorized as soft sci fi. It's mostly based on real world stuff, but then there's this kind of pseudoscience to explain, you know, oh yeah, the the Hulk, just gamma radiation. And it's Mm -hmm. like, wait, we we kind of know how gamma radiation works. It wouldn't really do that, but okay, you know, there's still a lot we don't know. So it's, you know, they they kind of, but I think comics are weird because you really have to take it case by case. Iron Man, very good example of, like, like very uh, soft sci-fi he's you could definitely see that a lot of this is based on current technology a lot of it is maybe theoretically possible one day or whatever but look at dr strange i mean he is pure fantasy like there there's no there's no science almost at all. I, I Even even calling him science fantasy would be, I, I guess he would maybe fall within science fantasy, but even that's a bit of a stretch. Like, he's just purely mystical. Like, there's no thorough real-world explanation on where, you know, a lot of his powers come from, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But, uh, so comics, you can get really specific some of them I would say are are hard sci-fi some are soft sci-fi some are science fantasy and some comics I think are just pure fantasy oh yeah Um, for sure but yeah it's it's very interesting I I love I love seeing it like this because I think the real honestly like for me I don't know about you what what genre maybe you prefer the, the most here but I love science fantasy I love when they take real world stuff and or, or maybe fantastical stuff, but superimpose uh, a rule set on top of it that says, you know, it has to operate within this framework, uh, kind of like the, the Brandon Sanderson novels or, you know, even Lord of the Rings, like uh, J.R.R. Tolkien writing Elvish, like the language right. Elvish. And, and it can be recognized today by linguists as a proper language like he wrote it within the framework of, you know, linguistic rules and 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 everything that, that we use today to to quantify and classify different languages. And he created a a language like that's almost like science fiction in a way like he he, you know, it's it's not a real language, but it's based on all the same rules that we use to, Mm. you know, speak other languages. So I love stuff like that, but. How about you? I'm not sure which uh, genre you gravitate toward. But.
0: I consider myself kind of, I always tell people like, you know, there's there's the old debate. Everybody always says, you know, are you a Star Wars guy or a Star Trek guy? Well, I, mm-hmm. I consider myself sci-fi bi. I love both Star <laughs> Trek and Star Wars and everything in between. I, I love science fiction. I've never been too, too huge into the pure fantasy stuff. You know, I read Lord of the Rings when I was a kid and I was like, okay, you know, alright. <laughs> Probably something that I want to revisit and go back and reread. As an adult, I've never watched any of the movies. Oh kind no, a, you have to watch. What? You funny? haven't seen Lord of the Rings? So here's the thing, <laughs> and this is this is this is the weirdest thing, okay? Elijah Wood's face <laughs> makes me angry. I can't explain it. I don't have anything against the man on a personal level. I've never met him. Everything I've ever heard about him, I've never heard a bad word about him. I don't believe him to be evil or anything. I just It's got a punchable oh, it, face. It, it yeah. just it just bugs me and I'm like <laughs> I cannot sit through nine hours of his face this is not going to be a thing I can do so <laughs> you'd rather see Golem than, than Elijah would <laughs> yeah, right. it's just I, I don't know what it is it's the weirdest it's the weirdest thing but I do think I want to go back and reread the books as an adult because I haven't I haven't yeah. actually read them since I was a kid well they're
1: I, pretty heavy but uh, you know I, I, I just I give Lord of the Rings a lot of credit because like I said the books uh, spawned a lot of what came after that mm-hmm. is based on the way goblins look when you think of a goblin the first image that flashes into your head i mean- Whether it's a Warhammer goblin or some other fantasy, whether it's Magic the Gathering, a lot of them look like the goblins that he, you know, kind of described and created, or whether it's trolls or whether, you know, dragons, uh, hobbits, wizards. But uh, I I really do credit the movies for making fantasy cool. Because when I was growing up, I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, and fantasy (laughs) was very much not cool. Nobody, like, you know, basement dwellers, the D&D players, we were, (laughs) you know, Magic the Gathering was very geeky. Despite Magic the Gathering, you know, it was crazy. Very, very popular in, in when I was in middle school, high school, everybody was playing it. But you know, later on, when I even now, when I talk about being into that stuff, people, I, I think only recently has has fantasy stuff gone from the you know social fringes and people who are into that are like, oh god, you know, socially awkward and kind of all this stuff mm-hmm. to the mainstream. And Lord of the Rings was uh, the catalyst that kind of made that happen. The, the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies really catapulted yeah. fantasy into the mainstream and made it cool. And then you had Game of Thrones, and you had all this other stuff come after, but really it all started with uh, Lord of the Rings. Before that, there was no – I mean, I remember seeing the Hobbit cartoon, or I don't know if you ever saw the Lord of the Rings cartoon, uh, oh, the yeah. animated Oh movie. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, those were – they were cool, but they were not big movies. They were a joke. No. And, I mean, even even superheroes, even comic books. I, I, I was about to say, stuff, it's a,
0: it sounds a little bit like Lord of the Rings did for fantasy what Iron Man, the first one, did right. for – comic book movies yeah they were pretty much just limited prior to that it was basically batman and superman and And they they were were, goofy they were they were
1: silly movies like batman yeah
0: yeah and iron man came along and said here's here's how to do a comic book movie And Mm -hmm. suddenly people got involved and that that made me very happy because I've always been a huge comic book fan. All, all varieties of books I didn't have any particular, it wasn't just a Marvel guy or just a DC guy. I read a lot of independent stuff.
1: Um, image and yeah.
0: Yeah, I read a lot of uh, dark horse and image and uh, different things like that. I would always whenever I would go to the shop, mm-hmm. I would if if there was a new number one out that I hadn't seen before, you could pretty much guarantee that I was going to grab it. Mm-hmm. Found some really really great stuff that way that I probably wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise. Uh,
1: cool. Yeah. yeah. It's weird because I think sci-fi never had this stigma around it or at least not as much sci-fi was always kind of cool and progressive like even in the 50s the 30s you know when people like Asimov and stuff were writing there was you know World's Fair and they would talk about this is the world in the year 2001 and they would have like flying cars and all this kind of crap but it was you know people were people thought of sci-fi as this really cool you know this is where things could actually lead and that is attractive to a lot of people appealing to a lot of people whereas fantasy is never going to be real it's it, it was considered silly it was considered you know for kids or whatever despite there being a lot of you know epic fantasy works over the course of history I think sci-fi never s- suffered from that stigma that fantasy suffered from and now we see both of them kind of uh well sci-fi kind of always has been uh, accepted as being okay you know you're not on the fringe of you know what's what's cool what's popular the way fantasy was but but you're right like comics uh Getting into the mainstream after you know the '90s, the Bat Batman Returns, and you know the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger as uh, Mr. Freeze and all this <laughs> movie stuff. Chill. I mean, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So then they, you know, they got serious. I love. I, I also credit Christopher Nolan's Batman, the the reboot there mm-hmm. with uh, Christian Bale. They went to this dark, gritty, realistic kind of you know not this silly Hollywood with the goofy costumes and the, the freeze rays, and you know it was much more grounded in reality. And people responded to that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was. Uh, it kind of made it cool again whereas yeah those old superman and batman movies from the 80s and 90s were goofy i think it's great i love to see that i, I, I love it that fantasy is cool and being a nerd is cool these days you know whether it's gaming you know i'm a big gamer I, I i stream a lot and everything and those kind of things are um becoming so mainstream now i mean the gaming industry is bigger than the movie industry the sports industry like you name it and uh, it's awesome to see but i feel like sci-fi has always been kind of cool and fantasy, it took a while. Now it's kind of okay to be into fantasy. Uh, I feel
0: like sci-fi has had its its waves. It's always been mm. somewhere in the middle as far as being accepted. But I think it has gone in waves as far as, um, and especially in the different formats. Like you had, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned, you know, like Asimov, Heinlein and things like that, where, yeah, for a while, science fiction books were absolutely accepted but on tv or in movies you didn't see it as much or if you did it was it was very campy it was cheesy and then it it transitioned and there was a time when it was very hard to find really good science fiction novels but there was a lot of a lot of tv or movies things like that you know especially like when star trek started and around the tng era and things like that i feel like it had moved to tv at that point like that's that's where science fiction was cool for for the time being it moved back to movies for a while i feel and then right now i think we're kind of coming back around i think Mm -hmm. the line between television and movies has been blurred by the streaming format i guess you would want i I don't know how to explain it but i think the the difference between a movie and a tv show is not as stark as it used to be i love it personally yeah yeah i do too huge star trek fan tng always has a special place in my heart As as my favorite Star Trek, because that's the one that I grew up on. That's the one that my mom was huge into Star Trek when she was younger. So when TNG came out, that was when I was a kid. And I remember my mom would record the episodes as they aired on VHS. And then Mm -hmm. when she had enough, when she had like six episodes recorded, she would go to the local blockbuster or whatever and rent a second VCR. Because we only had one VCR. And... She would rent a second VCR so that she could go through and re record from her original tapes while pausing during the commercials. So she was in there cutting out the commercials <laughs> and recording it onto wow. the extended play. Remember, you could do on VHS, yeah. you could put it on extended play. And so she would get five or six episodes of Next Generation on one, on one tape. tape with no commercials. Your mom is awesome.
1: Your mom. You should have your mom on this podcast. She, that is awesome.
0: She was, uh, it was amazing. And yeah, so she would watch them. Obviously, as they aired, and I'd watch with her, and then I'd watch again as she was doing her re recording. Absolutely, you know, grew up on that stuff and loved it. Yeah, and
1: that's that that was another point I wanted to make. I think, uh, growing up for kids, sci fi, I mean, a lot of kids like Star Wars, and they like, but you can see how more kids would gravitate towards soft sci fi, or even what I, I consider Star Wars to be uh, science fantasy, actually, firmly science fantasy. Kids, especially younger audiences, gravitate more towards fantasy, not sci fi, they bridge the gap. A lot of times with science fantasy, things like mm-hmm. Star Wars or comic books, which are not sci fi, but they're somewhere in the middle, like depending on the comic book, of course, but many of them right. are either soft sci fi or science fantasy, you know, but fantasy is very easy to get into as a kid, your your imagination is such that you can, you know, totally identify with these fantasy worlds and, and you know, all the things that are going as having scientific explanations are relevant, you wouldn't understand them anyway. So kids don't don't care about that. But I love that uh, you were exposed to that growing up, because I, I, I didn't get into science fiction until I was a little bit older fantasy grabbed me right away as a kid i was just so into you know whether it was even choose your own adventure novels uh oh, you know my, my yeah the very first novel i got uh, i think it was like seven or eight uh, one of my friends got me for my birthday was a steve jackson novel he i knew i know the name steve jackson ian livingston from those those choose your own adventure books and stuff but then he put out his own novels the troll tooth wars i think it was called hmm. and i just that was the first book i thought holy this is awesome this is like not as heavy as like Lord of the Rings and stuff you know kids again can't it's it's tough to get them into something that heavy and that got me into Warhammer and then you know my uncle gets me the board game Hero Quest for Christmas one year and oh man that was it i was hooked uh-huh. on fantasy but uh, i love that you know fantasy it's kind of the gateway drug for science fiction in a lot of ways you get into fantasy first when you're young and then you slowly get into, you know, depending on your interests, more more science fiction stuff, or mm-hmm. or the straddling the line with science right. fantasy type stuff. Yeah, it's really interesting, but that's um, cool.
0: Yeah, there there were a couple of things that you brought up that I really wanted to touch on. Um, one mm-hmm. of them was you mentioned the story being grounded in some sort of reality, and that to me is a big big selling point of any. Type of storytelling, anything that I read or watch, if mm. it's completely removed from reality, it doesn't always work for me. And I think that's probably one of right. the reasons why I didn't gravitate. Even I grew up with with my mom watching Star Trek: Next Generation and being into that sort of thing, but she was also mm. very much into fantasy. She oh, really? she painted pewter figures. She had like uh, the dragons oh, and uh, the little miniatures, yeah. and um, she oh, would get those awesome. and she would paint them, and so. I was exposed to both, but I definitely gravitated more towards the sci-fi. Sci-fi and mystery. That was that was my other big big genre mm. when I was younger. Especially, I loved mystery novels. I loved the old hard-boiled detective novels, that, mm. like the <laughs> 20s and 30s detective. Um, Stuart Kaminsky, still one of my favorite authors. Just pulpy, whatever, basic mystery and he churned them out he probably has like 40 novels or something like that but i loved them all
1: <laughs> but no there's no science fiction or fantasy aspect to those novels right it's not no, like none, uh, not nancy solves the case of the ghost you know like there's some some mystery stuff has these elements but what you're talking about is strictly fiction oh yeah, sorry uh, yeah like reality-based fiction yeah. yeah
0: exactly it's a basically i would say it's the precursor to the the modern police procedural that we we have so many of on tv yeah yeah, yeah i know there what you, you go, go. Yeah. i mean the, the
1: first one was cool though like csi i loved csi oh, las yeah. vegas when that first came out i was like this is cool because i had never seen how this stuff works and i mean it's not super accurate i'm sure a real csi technician would say that's fake that's fake mm-hmm. we don't do that we don't do that, do it like this but for the the general public it was like oh this is Wow, I, this is super cool. But then by the time the fifth different CSI comes out or whatever right. other, you know, yeah, it's uh, you're running you're running on fumes at that point, I
0: think. But I don't know. Um, yeah, the CSI, the original, um, always love that. I, it's one of those things that, yeah, depending on what you're exposed to more as a child might determine which one you prefer as you go. But I yeah. think there are elements there for everyone. With fantasy, I think one of the reasons that it may get kind of stuck in that realm or where why it may have been stuck in that realm of not being cool or popular because a lot of times i think there's extremes you have the really heavy heavy stuff like Mm -hmm. lord of the rings and then the other stuff that's just kid stuff and there wasn't a whole lot in between until like you said they put it into movie form put it into a consumable form for the people in the middle weren't going to be able to to read those novels or be Engaged with that much in a book, but also not just for kids.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, what you were saying before about TV versus movies, it's great that Star Trek has so much more value, I think, than Star Wars. uh, And I'm going to get land-based, I'm sure, by all the Star Wars fans out there, but, you know, (laughs) as a TV show, because they can really fully explore these these philosophical topics and these, you know, uh, theoretical things and stuff and really go deep on character development and whatnot. Movies Mm -hmm. struggle to, like, capture a lot of that. I I love the transition to the streaming services. I think that was, uh, that was a great thing for a lot of genres, you know, Game of Thrones or one of these shows, I mean, despite how it ended, uh, it was it was a great show for for many seasons. And uh, they wouldn't have been able to have a show like that and make it into a movie. Like, you couldn't do that in movie form. You know, Netflix, even other shows that they've, they've many, many actors and producers, directors of, of shows on Netflix and stuff have gone on record and said, we could not have done this you know, two-hour movie? No right. way. We needed to explore this over ten episodes, and yeah. and everybody agrees. I think at this point, yeah, those kind of shows are just much better. They get to go way deeper on these topics, and it's uh, it's awesome to see that stuff. I love that now. We a lot of what we're viewing is on in TV show format, even though I, it's weird to call it a TV show anymore. But you know, it's it's multiple multiple episodes, and they go deep on these topics. It's uh, it's really great to see, but. I think initially for kids, especially, like you said, some of the fantasy stuff is too heavy. Initially, I think a lot of people get into the fantasy work because a lot of it is, look at Harry Potter. You know, a lot of this stuff is literally geared towards younger audiences mm. and it's pure fantasy. It's a gateway into, I think, sci-fi and, and other stuff. Like it's, uh, as as people who, uh, you started a little bit different, you got right into the 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 sci-fi with, you know, your mom's influence and stuff, which is great. I, I think a lot, fantasy is the way you get into it. And then maybe as you grow up, you go into a, a profession that deals with, you know the science aspect of it, but still having this background in kind of fantasy allows you. To, yeah, you start to like sci-fi stuff, and you know there's a lot of really good sci-fi shows out there. I I, I don't know if I would have ever gotten into if I hadn't started with with fantasy. It's, it's pretty cool. What do you think of Star Wars? What would you classify Star Wars as?
0: For me, Star Wars uh, science fantasy, I think is a good way to put it. But I would possibly even more towards if we're looking at a spectrum, and you've got your your hard sci-fi on one side, and you've got your pure fantasy on the other and then your science fantasy is smack dab in the middle i'd maybe nudge it just a little bit more towards the science fiction because and this is a point of contention among a lot of star wars fans and let's not get it twisted nobody hates star wars more than star wars fans. it's <laughs> it's just a fact as a star wars fan i can attest to that because uh, there are things about it that i absolutely despise, and then other things that i absolutely love but with the the fantasy element that they brought in was primarily the force. Right. And with not only the prequels when they introduced the scientific mechanics behind how the force allows them to do things, which was completely unnecessary and I absolutely hated that. The midichlorians mm. or midichlorians whatever that stuff. was yeah. that was just so so terrible. There was no need to do that, but I think when they did that, they nudged themselves in canon into more towards sci-fi than towards fantasy because they took the the spiritual aspect out of it and they made Mm -hmm. it into, oh no, it's just this alien creature that lives within us and it can do things for us if we are sensitive enough to it to ask it to do things for us. And so they gave it this scientific explanation. And I, I read a lot of the novels and comics as well.
1: I agree with you. I think it is very much science fantasy and because of the Force, that is the one thing in that. Because, you know, it still has this space cowboy, as we, you know, we like to call it, space cowboy kind of genre. Like, I you know, video games, The Outer Worlds or uh, The Outer World uh, Aliens is another one where, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they have hyper, uh, you know, interstellar travel and all these, you know, they're flying around in spaceships going to other planets. But, you know, y- inside the spaceship, everything looks like it's being run on a, you know, Commodore 64. And <laughs> it all looks kind of like this hodgepodge of parts pieced together, you know. and Star Wars And aliens and, you know, many video games, space cowboy kind of games are like this. Star Wars is the only one that has this supernatural, magical element, this this mystical, you know, the force. And you're right. They tried to explain it. But even their explanation, I think, falls very firmly within soft sci-fi, which is... It's, it's still pseudoscience, right? Yeah. They're saying it's like Superman. Like, yeah, he's an alien. Oh, so that's why he's able to, like, do all these crazy things on Earth because the sun is different. It's like, what? Wait, that's <laughs> like, I get it. He's an alien, so anything's possible. But at the same time, like, that's, you know, it's not hard science. It's like this kind of pseudoscience they used to explain it, midichlorians. Sure, uh, you're right. I think it leans a little bit like if we're, you know, the needle is right in the middle 50-50 between sci-fi and fantasy. Star Wars is just a tick or two over to the, uh, toward the science fiction I, I would say probably soft sci-fi. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that stuff. I, I do love the the blurring lines in a lot of this. I think using a little bit of fantasy in your sci-fi world, I, I think it provides more entertainment. I think sci-fi, one of the, the drawbacks sometimes to, to a lot of sci-fi is it can be a little dry. It can be over the heads of many readers, especially depending on how technical they get with things. And in a lot of ways, if, if you want to call it sci-fi, you have to get into the technical details to try and like, you know, you have to explain why these things work the way they do, or at least, you know, give an explanation based on current scientific models, theories, you know, within our, the, the constraints that we currently know to be true. But injecting a little bit of fantasy in there lets you really, I think, go much further in, in terms of entertainment value for me. Now this is of course everybody's different. I'm sure there's people who prefer just hard sci-fi and any element of the fantastical is kind of taboo and you know, no, that's not sci-fi anymore, but I really find in terms of entertainment value I enjoy yeah, the science fantasy or soft sci-fi stuff, but how about you? I'm not I'm not sure which I think I you said before you you like more sci-fi stuff, right?
0: I do lean more towards the what you call hard sci-fi. However, right. My whole thing, and I've I've said this about literally any genre, anywhere. If you tell me a good story in a compelling way, whether it be on a page, in pictures, or on film, whether it be short form or long form, if you tell me a compelling story in a compelling way, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be into it. That's so true. while I may lean towards some of these sci-fi things, it, it's not strictly like oh, it's not sci-fi, I'm not watching it, or it's not oh, that's fantasy, no, I'm not gonna watch it. No, I'm. I will give anything a chance if it's going to tell me a good story. Right. For me, I think, the like you said, bringing elements from multiple genres into the story can basically allow you to tell more stories. I mean, right. with the example of Star Wars, you do have that kind of mystical element that's brought into a world that's very much... A tech world. You have spaceships and laser guns and laser swords and all this stu- mm-hmm. stuff that's tech. But then you also have this force, this mystical energy that before the prequels was just a mystical energy that wasn't explained scientifically and i think it was better that way Mm. but even in the novels you know going back to the earlier novels because i haven't read a lot of the the ones since there's a lot of technical explanation about how some of the stuff works that they didn't get into in the movies Mm -hmm. so there's things like about how the lightsaber works and about how the hyperdrive works and things like that where they get in to that more sci-fi type of thing by putting those explanations in. I think a great example is even before Solo, they explained Lucas's mistake, and he admits it was just a mistake. He just didn't understand what the word meant. But the Kessel Run being done in less than 12 parsecs, Uh people people (laughs) always been like, well, but wait, that's a definition of distance, not a definition of time. What are you you talking about? One of the novels they got into that and they actually explained it very similar to the way they ended up doing it in the movies later on but in the novel this would have been back in the 90s
1: well where do you let, let's move on to some subgenres maybe like i was going to say where in that case where do you put things like steampunk or cyberpunk or these Subgenres that are straddling the line between fantasy and sci-fi, especially cyberpunk-type uh, games, movies, you know, content. What do you consider that stuff to, to be?
0: I think it, uh, again, I think it depends on how they do it. Steampunk, for me, is very much more on the fantasy side of things because I think it mm-hmm. is more looking at a world that could have been as opposed to looking at our world and what it could be. It's more going back and then saying, okay, well, what if this had had changed and now we're you know we or this never got invented or this didn't happen and so it's going back instead of going forward mm-hmm. and for me that kind of leans a little more towards the fantasy side however it does deal mm-hmm. with technology just being used in very different ways than we're traditionally used to but i don't really think that it goes as far as advancements in that technology, hmm. as much as just different ways that it could have been used. I think it's really cool aesthetic. I love the steampunk aesthetic. But as far as stories go, I haven't really f- found any that grabbed me.
1: Right. Oh, yeah, I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even asking if you if you like it or enjoy it or not. Just I, I wonder where you put it. So you put it firmly in the fantasy
0: category. Put it definitely towards the yeah, definitely skewing towards the fantasy side. Definitely okay. has what science fiction accent. Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk yeah. I would probably lean a little bit more towards the the sci-fi side again not a lot of not a lot of those stories have really grabbed me I'm actually interested to play the Newest game that came out because uh, I've heard some good things about it and I want to check it out, but I haven't had hold a, on. Had do a time you, do yet. you mean
1: Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven? Yeah. Okay. I, I've I've played it a bunch on stream. <laughs> we okay. can get into that. It, it's very cool. I mean, uh, it's come a long way. It was obviously in the news a lot for being very broken and buggy and everything, but uh, if you like the the cyberpunk genre, it's it's a very fully fleshed out cyberpunk world. I think yeah. So sorry. Go go ahead and finish your thought. I was just you mentioned the game and there's so much I could talk about about that game (laughs) it's been such a controversial game but so where do you think cyberpunk falls sci-fi
0: i I would probably lean towards sci-fi i think but definitely has some some fantastic uh, elements to it as well so again yeah i think it does definitely blur that blur that line which is which is good i think can tell a good story in any anywhere on the spectrum yeah and that's really what's what's most important to me is that story that's being told and yeah
1: i mean yeah, we're splitting hairs here. I, yeah, I'm just putting it in categories. You're right. The story is more important than anything else. Do you enjoy it? Then, you know, enjoy it. Don't worry about <laughs> what it is. But for today's podcast purposes, I'm just curious. Like cyberpunk, you know, obviously people first, your first instinct is, yeah, of course this is sci-fi. It's futuristic. There's a lot of, you know, hacking and, and technological manipulation, whether it's, you know, different devices they're using or, you know, all sorts of advanced technology that mostly doesn't exist yet. But but there is definitely a fact fantasy aspect i think a lot of well it depends on the universe but like the video game is is very much sci-fi it's you know there are no other races but there are many cyberpunk universes that are grounded in technology and very sci-fi and yet they have creatures in the world that are fantasy creatures like i was alluding to Shadowrunner and stuff like mm-hmm. that a uh, shadow run i should say games like that where it's like um you know, there are elves and orcs and stuff that are like hackers. You know, you're going through this world and you go up to a shopkeep and it's a it's an orc. But, you know, the rest of the everything else is cyberpunk. And, you know, it's, it's like this weird... Do you, have you ever seen stuff like that? I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, that kind of cyberpunk, but... Um. I,
0: I've seen a little bit here and there. I haven't really gotten too deep into any of them, especially since I, I feel like the majority of that particular subgenre seems to be video games mm-hmm. and... I haven't been really big into video games for a while. It's something that I've just kind of started dipping my toe back into recently. Essentially, I was gifted an an Xbox One, and so I was like, okay, well... Let's let's see what this is all about again. And mm-hmm. I've dove in a little bit to a few different games, but I've been mostly most of my time has been spent on Forza. I love racing games. Oh, I've always loved racing games.
1: That's that's for another podcast. I love racing <laughs> games. I love you know for me, I game primarily. I could talk all day about video games. I'm a huge gamer, but I, I game almost exclusively on PC, and I rarely touch console. Even though I had yeah, I started on the original NES like you, and had a Sega Genesis and a PlayStation one and then skipped a bunch uh, and had, I, I just stopped buying consoles at some point, started gaming on PC, but mm-hmm. but it is cool. The gaming uh, world really explores these two genres a lot. Like there are a ton of fantasy games, a ton of sci-fi and then a ton of mixed sci-fi, uh, you know, science fantasy or, or soft sci-fi stuff. Final Fantasy is a good one where Final Fantasy, I played Final Fantasy 1 on, you know, Nintendo. Right. And then Final Fantasy 3 on Super Nintendo at a friend's house. So we loved Final Fantasy 3. was incredible. But even at that point, it was already starting to go from fantasy into... It should be called Final Science Fantasy, actually. <laughs> it's like they started introducing guns. And, like, I mean, you look at the Final Fantasy RPG or MMORPGs now. You have characters that use magic and bladed weapons, medieval-style weapons. And then other characters who use, like blunderbuss-style weapons or, like, you know, like, firearms. Like, it's weird where you, you know, where does fantasy turn into science fantasy? Uh, You know, as soon as they start using gunpowder and like ballistics <laughs> weapons, then I feel like, okay, now you're getting into science fantasy, right? It's no longer just final fantasy, pure fantasy like it like it started as, but it's really interesting. A lot of video games blur those lines and I think it's for the best. But you know, one thing I did want to say was the steampunk thing is really interesting. I'm not a big fan of these subgenres. I'm not crazy about them. If a good, you know, game or something comes out in one of these genres, I'll check it out. But I'm not, you know, some diehard fan of any of these. I think steampunk is interesting. You were saying, you know, you don't consider it to be science fiction because it is, it's an alternate reality. It's It's going back and saying, you know, Back in when, you know, Steam technology was first invented and we were using that in everything, this is a different direction the world could have gone, a different timeline than the one we're currently in. And therefore, it's fantasy. But I wonder, like, there's a lot of science fiction that's essentially the same thing where, you know, uh, dystopian futures, zombie apocalypse type stuff. Like, I'm playing Dying Light 2 right now, which is, you know, post-apocalyptic zombie game. But it's very much science fiction because, you know, the, the the zombie plague started because of some bioengineered virus that got out and right. these th- things are possible. I mean, we've just lived through a pandemic here. And yeah, we're not all turning into zombies, but it's the same kind of mechanism that uh, th- that's used to spread viruses well what if the virus turned us into whatever I, I would say well, zombie type stuff is I think vi- usually well I think it's science fiction or at least soft sci-fi where mm-hmm. you know it's it's based on viral technology and everything yeah. you know uh, getting out and, and, and infecting everybody but you know you're kind of taking this one step beyond like we don't there's no way to biologically explain how somebody gets reanimated like a corpse comes back to life that's pseudoscience but right. you know what I mean it's like uh, so so, steampunk I, I, I mean all the technology in a lot of the steampunk stuff is based on steam powered technology and they've just extrapolated and taken it to this you know extreme where they're they've got airships and whatever else i think i would put it more in the sci-fi camp than the fantasy camp just mm. because it is based on you know actual stuff but what do you th- what do you think about that
0: well, i can i can definitely see where you're going with that and yeah it, even though it is dealing with like an alternate version of history and how things could have progressed it is dealing with technology and how that technology could have theoretically progressed. So it does fit, you know, even my own definition of sci fi. So yeah, I, I, I can see where probably put it just about in the middle. I definitely think there are some fantastical elements, but you're right, it does deal with technology, even though it's not futuristic technology. It's kind of going the other direction. But uh, yeah, I, I think you brought me around on that one actually. I'll have to consume yeah. a little bit more to really get a bearing. Like I said, it's one of those things that I haven't seen anything in that genre that's really grabbed my attention. I right. love the, I love the look of it. Like when I'm at conventions or something and I see people dressed at that, it's like, oh, that is cool. That is really cool looking. I love the look of it. Mm-hmm. But the stories that I've seen thus far haven't really been anything that, that grabbed my attention. So right. Um, um, If you have any suggestions on books or television or movies that might uh, lead me down that path, feel free to uh, toss out suggestions. You mean for
1: steampunk specifically or For steampunk
0: or cyberpunk, anything that uh, you think Uh, i might
1: Well, yeah, the game recommendations. I mean, Cyberpunk 2077 is supposed to be what was supposed to be the the genre-defining kind of game. And it missed a lot of its kind of targets. It's just because of what the developers claimed you were going to be able to do in the game, a lot of it was missing. There were, you know, there were a mm. lot of issues with bugs and other stuff. But as far as the the world building and the lore, it is okay. a very fully fleshed out world. I feel like it is the best. And now it's been out a year, so uh, now there's been a bunch of updates, and I it's getting closer to the product that it was supposed to be on launch. So it is for Cyberpunk. I, I definitely recommend the game Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Uh, even though there are still issues with it and uh, all the things they promised haven't Materialized yet, but as far as the actual cyberpunk world, I think it's one of the best out there. But Steampunk, I remember one of the best games I played in the Steampunk genre was Dishonored. Dishonored <laughs> was a very cool Steampunk game, very highly rated game as well. It incorporated a lot of mystical and uh, fantasy aspects into the game. It's not just pure Steampunk, there's a little bit of, you know, inexp- unexplainable kind of pseudoscience stuff. But uh, yeah, Dishonored's a really good Steampunk one. But I just think it's interesting, you know, when you think, like you were saying for st- sci- uh, Steampunk, why it's it's not science fiction, it's because it's kind of an alternate future or, hit or timeline that it's on. I think, I don't know if that necessarily makes something not science fiction. I think there's a lot of science fiction that is that is alternate timelines, alternate futures, you know, like I was saying, dystopian stuff or zombie apocalypse stuff. I think that stuff still falls within the the science fiction realm, or at least soft sci-fi, where it's an alternate future that's possible, but, you know, some of the mechanisms are explained using (laughs) pseudoscience. Yeah,
0: it's interesting that you bring up the zombie thing, because I feel like that's one of those things that it was when it was originally created. Mm -hmm. It was, well, it was originally horror, but it was horror right. that was rooted in fantasy. There wasn't right. a scientific explanation behind it. It was just this scary thing that you had to get away from. And that was right. the whole point, too, to all of it. it was just that. As the stories progressed, as they decided to use that story as the basis of these other stories, they felt that they needed to put that scientific explanation in there. And I think that might be a little bit of what we were talking about earlier, about grounding something in reality to help mm-hmm. tie the the consumer to the story if you don't explain it at all or if it's just left oh we don't we have no idea how this started but here it is now you have to deal with it it's harder to get into the story and really allow yourself to consume the rest of the story because you're part of your brain still like thinking well well, how did this happen how what what started it what's going on
1: right yeah well i think there was a transition made Uh, initially You know, I I was I've been a big zombie fan for a long time. They only zombie stuff only really got popular again in the 90s when uh, they remade that Romero movie Uh, was it Dawn of the Dead or whatever. There was a remake. Zack Snyder, I think, did it. And it it kind of brought zombies back to the forefront. But before then, the only zombie flicks were those ones from, like, the 70s, like, you know, Day of the Dead and Night of the Living Dead and all that stuff. But those were the first zombie movies where they used a scientific explanation or a pseudoscience kind of explanation to explain how these zombies were created. It was radioactive waste or it was a biologically engineered virus or whatever. But long before then, in fantasy, there was zombies stuff i mean necromancy is is a very big part of fantasy and it's all about reanimating the dead and zombies so in every fantasy content you know kind of world where they have necromancy yeah the zombies are created through nefarious magical means but then at some point they kind of transitioned zombies became they went from a fantasy creature to a sci-fi creature where not only can they be reanimated through dark arts, et cetera, but now zombies can be created by, through science through viruses and you know so like you know 28 days later and and zombies started to evolve they weren't these slow plodding inexorable tide of undead they became you know like 28 days later popularized the not necessarily undead zombies these weren't these weren't people who had died and come back crawling from their graves in the graveyard like a lot of fantasy and horror Mm -hmm. you know content had had portrayed them previously now they are living beings infected and essentially turned into creatures that, you know, bloodthirsty and et cetera, et cetera, just want to kill each other but they could still be killed, et cetera. So zombies have evolved quite a bit compared to a lot of other monsters. You know, the mummies and and vampires, werewolves, all of these things are very firmly fantasy. And then zombies kind of made this transition from uh, as as technology evolved, as our understanding of virology and biology evolved, it became kind of uh, the the realm of science fiction. Is it possible to infect someone with something that, I mean, look at rabies, a Mm -hmm. disease like that, which essentially turns someone into a, a zombie like you can't control yourself it, it it takes over your brain it forces you to just you know become extremely violent extremely aggressive you know you could imagine how a, a virus or some kind of biological weapon could be used to turn people into this that only kind of started in the in the last 100 years like the 20th century people started writing about zombies that could be not fantasy but Real, you know what I mean. So now zombies have become this weird monster that I think is actually these days more science fiction than fantasy, which is very weird because they were, you know, very much fantasy for for a long time. But but you know, a lot of I think a lot of future, especially when you're talking about the future or future timelines. Like I said, you were you were mentioning this with steampunk. I think that still could be science fiction. It's you know just a, an alternate timeline that's very possible or or could have been possible. So I don't know. I guess for you, you say if it, if it's something that could have been possible but didn't happen it's not science fiction it's fantasy whereas if it's something that could still happen it's it's science it's science fiction is that where you you're kind of that's where you draw but, the line? Yeah, that's there, kind or? of
0: where I was leaning, but like I said, okay. I think you might have turned me around a little bit, specifically on that on that steampunk and with the idea of it being in an, an alternate reality, it could just be alternative science fiction as well. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like
1: what do you call that? I don't. Alternative science fiction is maybe a good term for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I, I think I like that. We we just coined a new term, term here, and uh, <laughs> you heard it here
1: first. In a year, everybody's <laughs> going to be saying it. Just remember. You heard it here first.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Uh, as I said, if you tell me a good story in a compelling way, I'm going to I'm gonna want to check it out regardless of right. how you classify it. That kind of brings us to another point is while we're deciding how we classify things, mm-hmm. when when publishers put out their stuff, how do they classify it? You know, how do yeah. they decide how they're going to market it? Are they going to market it as science fiction or are they going to market it as fantasy, some kind of blend? Are they going to maybe, maybe we'll see stuff marketed as alternative sci-fi in the future? Well, who knows? where did they draw the line?
1: Yeah, with publishers, they have to be very specific. And it's hard because a lot of works straddle the line between science fiction and fantasy. But normally they'll say a fantasy, you know, book, for example, it has far fewer limits. I think fantasy has a, a far fewer number of conditions that must be met for it to be called fantasy. Essentially, it can be almost anything that is removed from pure reality, realistic, you know, elements. So anything that's um, it doesn't have any scientific or, or or macabre story aspects. So nothing that would be either science fiction or horror. As long as you're not going too far into those genres, then it's fantasy. So it, it's the broadest category. I think there's the fewest kind of restrictions on that. As long as it has any mystical or. Or magical element, I, I would consider that fantasy. Whereas science fiction has a lot more restrictions. To be called science fiction, it's got to be, it's got to deal principally or primarily with the uh, impact of, you know, actual technology or science on society or individuals, and you can't stray into the uh, the fantastical. So, like time travel. For example, Mm -hmm. a a time travel book, is that science fiction or fantasy? A lot of time travel stuff was considered science fiction. You know, back in the day, they thought, you know, this is something that could be uh, achievable. Whereas now we are, I mean, again, we're still learning things, but almost everything we know points to it being impossible, especially going back in time is just that's fantasy now. Whereas before it was science fiction. So it's really weird. I I, I think a lot of publishers, they they have to superimpose these artificial kind of restrictions on, especially science fiction, has has to meet very certain criteria to be called science fiction, whereas fantasy is much more broad. Fantasy, a lot of things could be called fantasy. Basically anything that has you know supernatural or magical mystical elements to it. And I'm pretty sure that's how they classify a lot of books, movies, etc. But I'm not sure. Do you know uh, anything or you have anything to add? I'm not I'm not 100% sure And this is not a topic I'm I, I know a ton about, so. So,
0: I'm not 100% sure either, but I believe you're you're pretty close to the mark as far as I'm aware, basically. Once you're taking the the scientific explanations out of it and just leaving it up to magic or mysticism or anything non-scientific based, not even pseudoscience. We're just talking about casting spells or drawing on the powers of, you know, the earth or something like that. Then you're getting into, you're you're going to be in fantasy. You mentioned right. time travel, which is interesting because that is going to be an upcoming episode. I've got a guest lined up to talk specifically about time travel Ooh. in sci-fi, how there are some stories that involve time travel that I don't think are sci-fi at all and others mm-hmm. that are most definitely sci-fi. I look at something mm-hmm. like Back to the Future, I right. would classify that as sci-fi for sure. Really? Because Interesting. Even though it's not based on a technology that is probably possible, there's a lot of detail going into the technology behind doing the time travel and it's mm. it's core to the storyline so i believe that to be sci-fi uh, maybe a mm. little bit leaning toward the soft sci-fi since the majority of the story is more about the interpersonal stuff as opposed to the tech itself but right it does have that basis in technology mm-hmm. but then you look at something else like outlander where there's no tech involved at all in the time travel. Right. So that I would consider to be fantasy even though it involves time travel. It's still they're not explaining the technology of it. It's left up to the the reader or the viewer to determine what's going on there. Is it something magical? Is it something you know, there's there's been various different ways that time travel stories have been told and I think a right. lot of them they go deep into the the technology behind it. And there's a lot of Star Trek episodes deal with time travel in some way shape or form so and they usually have some sort of explanation for it it may just be some technobabble thrown out there to make it happen so that we get there but if it's rooted in technology I would probably swing that dial over towards the sci-fi if it's Hmm. something magical that's causing the, the shift in time then I'd maybe lean it more towards the fantasy side of things so i it's Mm. that one's uh stay tuned folks i think that one's going to be a really interesting episode
1: yeah (laughs) i'm curious to hear what this guest has to say because yeah i'm not 100 sure i know what what's right and wrong here i I like your explanation as well yeah there is if they do base their explanation of time travel on some existing or theoretical but again the problem for me is the definition of sci-fi you know, for it to be hard science fiction, it has to be based on technology or it has to at least follow or adhere to the laws of science and the theories and the constraints that we currently know of the known universe. From what we currently know, you can't time travel. So it's like, I I don't know, (laughs) even if they explain the technology, like it's their explanation is it almost certainly has to be pseudoscience because it's just theoretically not possible. Whereas teleportation, fabricator, you know, all these things are theoretically possible. Even interstellar travel, wormholes, like those kind of things are theoretically possible. Bending space, bending time. Those are all, you know, so maybe the bending time thing, like if you go into a black hole And it transports you back in time, or something. I mean, that you know, maybe that's possible. I I don't even, I don't know. For me, time travel is still—it's more fantasy than sci-fi. But yeah, it's funny. You're on the you're on the other side of that. It's interesting. (laughs) There is no right and wrong here. So I'm I'm curious what your guest is going to say about this, who uh, almost assuredly knows more than me. But yeah, it's interesting. It's one Hmm. of those.
0: It's one of those weird ones because it can be, I think, either or, depending on again the mechanism. I think that's what really determines it for me. It's an interesting line. I love it. I love things on both sides of it, for sure. I'm not uh, hardcore, only going to watch this, only going to watch that. Yeah, but.
1: same with me. I'm, I'm a fan of both. I, I love that both give us so much back in terms of, you know, fantasy. I get so much uh, value from fantasy f- from an entertainment standpoint. I, you know, I love the entertainment aspect of, of the fantasy. I love pushing the boundaries of imagination and some of the worlds and especially the really well fleshed out worlds that mm. some of these uh, content creators authors, you know, directors uh, have, have created are fantastic. I also on the other hand love sci-fi's ability to progress us, you know mm. sci-fi predicts the technologies of tomorrow, like in a lot of ways especially over the 20th century and it gives us the idea to, hey, is this actually possible? This, You know, I read this book about blah blah blah, they're doing this in the book theoretically it's possible, like let's see if we can make this happen, you know, whether it's Star Trek or there's a lot of other sci-fi that actually contributes to the advancement of the human species, which I think is so important. And the fantasy lacks that. You know, it's it's this weird, like, they're both giving us two very important things culturally, uh, I think. You know, sci-fi Absolutely. is really helping us to push uh, humanity forward in the real world. Whereas uh, fantasy is giving us this awesome source of just entertainment and enjoyment and not worrying about whether it fits with what we know of the world. And yeah, both have a ton of values, so love them. Yeah,
0: I agree, and I think one of the reasons that maybe the fantasy stories are able to tell more story is because they're not worried about sticking to known scientific principles. There's no right. like point where they have to go, okay, how far are we going to force the reader to suspend their disbelief of what is real and possible right now? Mm-hmm. Or do we just go ahead and be like, okay, you know what? It's magic. There we go. Now that's over with. Now let's get to the story. And so they can spend much more time building the world, building the characters, because they don't have to explain the tech. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh,
1: Well, it's, you know, I'm a full-time content creator right now, so uh, you can catch me pretty much every single day, at least five or six days a week on Twitch. I'm streaming a wide variety of games from a lot of fantasy stuff, a lot of sci-fi stuff. I have Cyberpunk 2077. I'm playing, you know, Dying Light 2 right now. We play a lot of Magic the Gathering. Check out mysterymtg.com. That's uh, the company that uh, that i'm working with that is sponsoring a lot of the magic content you can even get a discount uh, on their site if you're into tcgs and stuff but i'm on twitch youtube and tiktok at damien f16 damien f16 and uh i'm on twitter and instagram uh twitter i'm damien f1 and instagram damien f11 but uh i, d- I don't post uh, as much on there as i should <laughs> I, i'm i'm <laughs> I'm not a great Twitterer. Yeah, I, uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can message me through any of those platforms. And uh, please uh, pop into the channel and say hi. We talk about all this kind of stuff pretty much all the time on my channel. So, And thank you for having uh, me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to talk to everybody. And I hope uh, people out there enjoyed our discussion.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. I thought it was a fantastic discussion. And yeah, you're right. There's a ton that still could be said. So um, maybe in the future, we could have you back. Yeah, I'd like that. That would be awesome. So if you want to follow me on the social medias, I am Eric J. Dewey, basically everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, even my Xbox name, it's all just Eric J. Dewey. You can follow the show on Instagram at interstellarcoms or on Twitter at intercomspod. And of course, you can find everything at interstellarcoms.com. Thank you for listening to Interstellar Comms with Eric right here on the Four Eyed Radio Network. For more information about the show, including our social media accounts, contact information, and more details about our guests, visit interstellarcoms.com. I'll be back soon with another amazing guest, so keep those comm channels open and watch for the signal.